Hi! So this episode is a little different because it's just the audio from a YouTube video that I uploaded yesterday. I will put a link to the video in the episode notes, or you can just go to the Medusini YouTube channel if you want to watch it. I don't think that it's super imperative that you see the visuals for the video. There are a couple moments where I might be referencing something that's on screen, but I think you could probably put it all together and figure it out. It, it's not going to totally ruin your experience of the episode. The episode is kind of fun, though. I just looked at a handful of recent celebrity cheating scandals, like cheating is in relationships. I didn't look at the other stuff. Like, there was a cheating scandal with, like, a chess match in 2022, as well as something regarding fish and putting putting weights in fish. I didn't pay any attention to those. This is just cheating as far as celebrities having extramarital affairs with sometimes other celebrities and sometimes uh, people who are not all that famous. But I looked at a handful of affairs and I think if you listen to the Don't Worry Darling podcast episode that I put out a couple months ago, you might find this one particularly interesting because I did go a little bit deeper into the relationship between Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis, and holy shit, Jason Sudeikis fucking sucks. I don't know if when I did the Don't Worry Darling episode, if all this stuff about, like, their nanny had come out yet. I think that came out a little bit after, but yeah, uh, there are some revelations that I have made in the research that I was doing for, for this video that they don't paint Jason Sudeikis in a great light. Same thing with Tristan Thompson, who I already knew was, like, an asshole and kind of emotionally abusive in terms of how he dealt with some of his own cheating scandals, but I went even deeper into looking at his previous relationship before Khloe Kardashian, uh, the woman that he was with kind of when he started dating Khloe, and then he left that woman for Khloe, even though she was like three months to giving birth to their child. That was a whole thing. I didn't know much about that before I started looking into it for this video, and holy shit, Tristan fucking sucks too. Like, really, really sucks. Uh, yeah. There are definitely instances in this list where women are the ones cheating on their partners, allegedly. But for some reason, men still come out of this looking way, way fucking worse. I, I don't know. They just have a talent for it. But yeah, uh, enjoy. Hello. It is the end of 2022, and I was working on this tier list of celebrity scandals from the year so that we could go through it and really reminisce. But I realized as I was making it that there were quite a few cheating scandals that got really big this year. Cheating as far as relationships and also other stuff, like I guess there was some guy who cheated on a chess match or something. I don't know anything about that. But there were a lot of celebrity cheating scandals, and some of them I think kind of got overlooked. I've already seen some people putting out lists of like, celebrity cheating scandals of 2022, and they're already missing the Tristan Thompson thing that happened earlier this year. And I think part of that is because it's Tristan Thompson and Khloe Kardashian, so we don't really expect anything else. But also, it did happen 
kind of from December to January, so maybe people are thinking of that as like a 2021 scandal. But going off that, there were quite a few scandals that just kind of bled into this year, even if they didn't start in 2022, like Olivia Wilde possibly having an affair with Harry Styles while she was married to Jason Sudeikis. There were developments that came out this year, but the scandal didn't really start in 2022. But because there have been quite a few cheating scandals over the last few years, I've decided to just make a tier list ranking the cheating scandals of the 2020s so far even though we're only two years in. Because really, everybody loves a cheating scandal, especially in a post-Me Too world. There's almost something a little refreshing about it. It's got all the elements of a good scandal, public figures doing naughty things, the kind of things where, like, if you were really intimately involved in their personal lives could be kind of painful and maybe even traumatizing to deal with. But as a mere audience member who doesn't have, like, an immediate personal connection with these people, it's just kind of like fun gossip. You know, it's a way to judge other people without becoming totally depressed and pessimistic about the world. Because ultimately, cheating on your significant other is bad, but it's not the worst thing a human being could do. Like, I'd much rather live in a world where Harvey Weinstein was just cheating on his wife rather than the world we actually live in, where he was physically assaulting women and then emotionally torturing them afterward. Tiger Woods cheating on his wife just doesn't really seem that bad by comparison, because cheating scandals are pretty low stakes. All right, you cheated. It's okay. All right. So I made this tier list at tiermaker.com. So since the Wendy Williams show came to its official unfortunate end this year, I have decided to dedicate this tier list to Wendy. Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. You might get mad at me for one day and maybe not want to watch the show, but then you turn me back on three days later and you're like, that damn Wendy. I don't even know. I don't even know why I watch this bitch, but I like her. So all of these tiers are going to be based off of Wendy Williams' sound bites. Ignore the context of the sound bites. That's not really important as to why Wendy said the things that she said. Just think of them in terms of how we can apply them to this tier list. So the first tier at the lowest is the aw, hmm, all right tier. Oh. Mm. All right. And that's for scandals where someone is alleged to have done something, alleged to have cheated on their partner, but I just don't really care. Clap if you care. All right, let's move on. It's mostly reserved for cheating allegations in which it kind of seemed like the relationship that the affair violated was pretty much over anyway, or the person who was allegedly cheated on which is kind of a shitty partner to begin with, it seems. So not the best way to handle an unhealthy relationship, but the next one is, I kind of feel bad for you. Yeah, I think it actually is supposed to be, I, I kind of feel sorry for you based off the soundbite, but I already made the tier list, so oh well. I kind of feel sorry for you. Oh yeah, yeah. This is the tier for scandals where I look at what happened and I go like, oh. That sucks. Like, I feel bad for the people involved, but I'm also just not emotionally engaged in the story enough. The next tier up is clap if you think she should suffer. Clap if you think she should suffer. This is the tier for cheating scandals where I definitely do have some pretty negative feelings toward the people involved, but not enough to make me like 
actively hate them. I just think that they should suffer. Like, we all must suffer the negative consequences of our actions. So, no big deal. Suffer for a little bit. Move on. And the final tier, I think, is pretty self-explanatory. It's the die, die, die tier. Die, die, die! Now, disclaimer, I am obviously not wishing literal death on anyone. See, the thing that a lot of us really loved about Wendy Williams is that she had this very blunt way of putting things that we might sometimes think or feel like deep within us, but we usually just don't say out loud because we know that it's not something you're supposed to say out loud, and die, die, die would be an example of that, where you're so upset with someone that you just want to, like, fucking crush their little heads. Death to all of them. Oh, Even though, in real life, violence? Big no-no. So I think it also should go without saying, I obviously don't know the people involved in this stuff, so I can't say whether or not they're good people or whether or not these affairs were even real in the first place, because there are some where the timeline between a breakup and a new relationship starting is just not totally clear, so I can't even say that an affair really did happen. And ultimately, relationships and just being a person is super complicated and nuanced, and it's not like doing something bad once makes you a bad person forever. So, even these emotional responses that I might have to learning about the alleged actions of these public figures doesn't mean that I actually think they're totally, like, horrible people. Even if I put them in the die, die, die category, I don't actually think that they should die. Imagine hiring a hitman to kill your husband. But let's just get into the scandals. So first off, we have Ned Fulmer from the Try Guys. I didn't watch the Try Guys at all. I know that it was a big content brand that came out of BuzzFeed. I didn't have an emotional connection to this prior to the scandal. But I understand that Ned's own thing within, like, the Try Guys group. Like, I guess they're kind of like the Spice Girls, maybe? in that they each have like a thing, like Scary Spice, Sporty Spice, Posh Spice, etc. I guess Ned's thing, he was the wife guy. He was Wife Spice. A lot of his personal branding came from the fact that he is married to a woman named Ariel, and he talked a lot about being married and talked a lot about his relationship and how much he loves his wife and also their, um, their parenting of their child that they have together. Ariel even did some Try Guys content with Ned. She was part of the Try Wives, and her and Ned put out a cookbook together. It was a date night cookbook. They had a podcast together about parenting called Baby Steps. So Ned's private married life was very, very much integrated into his branding as a public figure. But then a few months ago, there started to be some suspicion around Ned and whether or not he was being totally faithful to Ariel. So I guess it started with a lot of the Try Guys fans noticing that Ned wasn't in some of the latest Try Guys videos and even seemed to be totally edited out of the video. Like, not just wasn't around when they were filming, but was actually on set and participating, but then was taken out in post, which would imply a bit of intent to shut Ned out of the company and 
for that, there would probably be a reason. So then Ned was further exposed by a Reddit user who posted some screenshots of text messages that contained a video of Ned and Alexandria Herring making out in a New York City bar. So Alexandria Herring is one half of the Try Guys Food Babies. Food Babies is the name of a series of videos on the Try Guys YouTube channel, and it stars Alexandria Herring, who is credited as an associate producer, and YB Chang, who is credited as the senior video editor for the Try Guys. Now, after the text messages, which had the screenshots of Ned and Alex making out at a bar, were exposed, another Reddit user, I guess this is all happening on the Try Guys subreddit, said that they saw Alex and Ned at a Harry Styles concert together. Now, fans of the Try Guys, and by extension, the Food Babies, they already knew that Alex was already engaged to another person named Will. And they noticed, as all this stuff was coming out, that Will had already unfollowed Alex and removed photos of the two of them on his Instagram. People have also said that Will was the one to actually publicize this story. I believe that the screenshots posted by the Reddit user were screenshots of Will's conversation with the person who saw Ned and Alex together at the bar. I don't think that Will is the Reddit user himself. I don't think he's the one that actually posted the screenshots, but I do think that the screenshots were from his phone, which I guess he sent the screenshots to this Reddit user. I don't know totally what the lore is, but this is what I am led to believe. Now, in addition to Will, YB also unfollowed Alex and Ned, so... This is all spreading across social media. There definitely seems to be something happening between Ned and Alex and possibly YB and Will as far as their own personal feelings about what Ned and Alex might be doing. Now, shortly after all of this starts, the Try Guys make an official statement on their Instagram saying, Ned Fulmer is no longer working with the Try Guys. As a result of a thorough internal review, we do not see a path forward together. We thank you for your support as we navigate this change. Shortly after that, Ned then posted his own statement, which said, Family should have always been my priority, but I lost focus and had a consensual workplace relationship. I'm sorry for any pain that my actions may have caused to the guys and the fans, but most of all to Ariel. The only thing that matters right now is my marriage and my children, and that's where I am going to focus my attention. Now, Ariel also posted her own statement. She said, Thanks to everyone who has reached out to me, it means a lot. Nothing is more important to me and Ned than our family, and all we request right now is that you respect our privacy for the sake of our kids. So at the moment, it does appear that Ariel and Ned are still trying to work it out. Personally, I can't imagine staying with someone who cheated on me so publicly, but that's Ariel's decision, that's her family. I think it's just harder for me to respect someone, though, who has an affair and then once they're caught, goes back to their previous partner. I feel like if you were having an affair, especially one that seemed to have been going on for at least a couple months, if not longer, you were putting in all that work to be so secretive and bone this person on the side. Once you get caught, I feel like stick with that decision. If it was worth it to you to be with that person in the first place when you were already in a relationship, why shouldn't it be worth it for you to continue pursuing that relationship? If you still ultimately wanted to be committed to that marriage, then you shouldn't have been having the affair. 
you know? Because an affair is different from just like a one night stand where you got kind of drunk and then had some sort of extramarital sexual contact with someone else, right? Like there's a mistake that you commit a minimal amount of times and then get your shit together and recommit yourself to your wife. And there's a thing that you do for months very intentionally. And at that point, I feel like you already just committed yourself to a new relationship. But whatever, as I said at the beginning of this video, human beings and relationships are complicated and it's not for me to say who is doing the right or wrong thing in this scenario. But there are three reasons that this scandal became such a point of public backlash. The first is just the audacity that Ned had. Like he was making out with Alex at a New York City bar. New York City tends to be a pretty populated place. So if you're gonna have an affair with someone, might want to keep it on the down low. Don't do it quite so publicly. There are some other photos that have come out of Ned and Alex together publicly that also just confirms that these two are not being very careful about how they got away with their relationship. Like they were at a fucking Harry Styles concert and knowing the audience of Harry Styles and the audience of Buzzfeed, pretty good likelihood that you were gonna get recognized there, especially when you're both on the channel. Like, people are gonna know that this isn't just some random woman that you happen to be friends with. They're gonna know that it's an employee of your company. And if they're your fans, they're gonna know that both of you are in relationships with other people who are not present. Now, granted, they could just both love Harry Styles and maybe just went to a concert together as work friends. That's not totally obscene. But when you're making out with someone in a bar, you're not, you're not being careful. And that's pretty annoying. Just as a matter of respect, if you're going to cheat on your significant other, don't do it in a way where you're going to get caught by other people, because then it's going to spread around that this affair has been going on, which is going to be kind of embarrassing for your partner. Even if most of the public is going to side with Ariel anyway, it still isn't really something that you want everyone to know about your own private life, especially if Ariel and Ned are going to stay together. There's going to be bitches like me who judge them for that and go like, oh, okay. Ariel doesn't really need that kind of judgment, but unfortunately, this thing was so public anyway that she is subject to my own judgmental bitchiness, and that, that sucks for her. I'm sorry that she had to be put into this position, but we're here now. Like, if you're gonna cheat on someone, be classy about it. Be discreet. Make sure that if anyone ever finds out that it's not going to be someone other than your partner who is going to spread that information around their entire social group, or possibly, in this scenario, Reddit and all of social media. And the second reason that this pissed people off is that Ned made his own personal branding within the Try Guys surround his own marriage and family. So not only is he a cheater, he's a hypocrite and maybe a little bit of like a grifter in that way that he was making money off of his like family man status that was maybe a bit inauthentic. Like this guy was giving out relationship advice while privately disrespecting his wife in a very severe way. And the third reason that this pissed a lot of people off is that Alex was his employee. So the Try Guys were a part of BuzzFeed for a while, but then they eventually split to create their own independent YouTube channel, which BuzzFeed did have a financial stake in, but ultimately was owned by the Try Guys. They had their own second Try LLC, 
which was a separate business and its own independent company that the Try Guys were the owners of. Alex, being an associate producer and a content creator for the Try Guys YouTube channel as a food baby, means that she was Ned's employee. So him having this secret relationship with her was a huge abuse of power. I'm not going to say it's always a no-no to date someone below you at your job. Human beings are going to naturally develop feelings for their fellow human beings, especially when they're in the same environment with certain people a lot, like in a workplace environment. Things can happen and feelings might develop. But there are responsible ways to approach a romantic relationship with a coworker, even one who might be below you in the overall workplace hierarchy. And you can't do that if the relationship is a secret. Other people, especially an HR department if you have one, need to be aware of what's going on so that maybe even the workplace can be restructured so that the person in the higher position doesn't have any really direct involvement in the work of the person that they are dating who is below them. There has to be some sort of structure in place to ensure that one partner doesn't have control over their other partner's employment. And there should be a plan in place so that if something goes wrong for the couple personally, that that's not going to affect their work environment. Like, there are ways to make a workplace relationship work, but that is always going to involve some amount of checks and balances, and those checks and balances can't happen if it's all a secret. So what Ned did wasn't just personally immoral, it was also likely a violation of company procedure. He independently put himself in a position where he had unchecked influence over one of his employees, and that's not okay. Ned was Alex's superior, and he was also her boyfriend. And even if he wasn't keeping it secret with super sinister intentions, what he did was put her into a position where no one could protect her if something went wrong, because no one knew that she needed that kind of protection. Now, Alex, of course, does have some responsibility here in that she was also engaged to another man. And even though she was a cheater in this scenario as well, she also is kind of like the secondary victim of this scandal. Maybe even the primary one before Ariel. Because if you think about what happened to her in this scandal, she has already very clearly had her own engagement broken off. Her fiancé was possibly the one to publicize this scandal, and now the boss that she was having an affair with has gone back to his wife and has left her pretty much alone, with people online calling her a homewrecker. Now, granted, less people are calling her a homewrecker than I would have thought, which is nice. We maybe have made some progress as a society where we're not totally blaming the other woman in these scenarios. Most people are putting the proper blame onto Ned, but it still is a really demeaning position to be put into, where you get outed as a cheater, and then the guy that you were cheating with was your boss, and then once it all comes out, he just goes back to his former partner and leaves you alone. But at least Alex got to keep her job. It seems like she is still working for the Try Guys, and they seem to have handled this situation very responsibly, which, love that. Again, I haven't watched a whole lot of Try Guys content myself, but they seem like they're good people, at least in how they've reacted to this whole debacle. Seems like they did not retaliate against their employee at all. Instead, they fired the co-owner of the company that was abusing his power as an employer which is good. 
And in the later public statement that they made, they specifically addressed the sexist backlash that often follows these kinds of scandals, where the female homewrecker involved becomes a target of backlash. We also want to remind you that the internet has a tendency to be a lot harsher towards women than men. So please, we ask that you exercise kindness. So all in all, the Try Guys came out of this looking pretty good. Unfortunately for Ned, the Try Guys no longer includes him. So I'm putting this in the clap if you think she should suffer category because Again, I just don't have that much, like, emotional connection to the Try Guys, so it doesn't really get my, like, blood boiling, but Ned definitely is a dick, and I hope that this greatly impacts his career in the future. Alright, next up is Adam Levine, who has been married to the Victoria's Secret model Bihati Prinsloo since 2004. They have two children together, and I wouldn't say that Adam is, like, a wife guy to the same caliber as Ned. It's not like it's, like, the thing that he's known for as a public figure, but he definitely has made his marriage and his family life a part of his public persona. Adam and Bahati have done plenty of public appearances together. He talks about her in interviews. I think she was in a Maroon 5 music video. I wouldn't know. I don't listen to Maroon 5. But there definitely is an air of wife guyness to Adam Levine. But then, earlier this year, an influencer named Sumner Stroh claimed in a TikTok that she had had an affair with Adam that lasted about a year. It's kind of hard to find the original TikToks because a lot of them have been deleted, but from what I understand, she didn't say Adam's name or identify him in the first TikToks. She just said that she had had an affair with someone who had been married to a Victoria's Secret model and that it had gone on for a while and it was pretty manipulative. And I think people were already just putting it together that it was Adam Levine she was talking about. And then she shared an Instagram DM from Adam where he wrote to her, okay, serious question, I'm having another baby and if it's a boy, I really wanna name it Sumner. You okay with that? Dead serious. Like not only is it pretty weird to wanna name one of your kids after a woman that you were cheating on your wife with, it's especially weird to say, if it's a boy, when you were cheating with a girl. Are you trying to tell Sumner that she is a boy's name? Why did you have to clarify if I'm having another baby and if it's a boy? If Sumner is a gender neutral name, whether or not you name your baby after Sumner shouldn't depend on the sex of the child. Like that's just rude to imply to someone that you were cheating on your wife with that they have a name that you think is really only appropriate for boys. But whatever. So Sumner sent some screenshots to her friends, and then I guess one of them was trying to sell the story to a tabloid, which... rude? Now this was an instance, unlike in the Ned Fulmer case, where people were kind of going after Sumner a lot and calling her a homewrecker, which I don't think was fair. She went on to explain how Adam had manipulated her. The most important part that I did definitely gloss over is the fact that I was under the impression that their marriage was over. I believe that they were keeping it quiet to avoid the negative press because, as I had said, I was new to LA. So I just assumed that with celebrities of that caliber that that's just how it was. And while the new to LA thing kind of makes me laugh... I'm new in town. <laughs> we'll see later text messages where Adam definitely did tell someone that him and his wife were kind of like on the rocks. And so I totally understand why she would think that Adam and Bahati were possibly getting a divorce soon. And so their relationship wasn't really like cheating. But truly, 
ultimately, I don't blame Sumner because as much as I am definitely a girl's girl, and I think that even if calling someone a homewrecker is really inappropriate, because a cheating man's gonna cheat regardless of who he does it with, I do think that there is kind of like a girl code involved in if you know that someone is already with another woman, you don't participate in their infidelity. If you get hint that someone is cheating on their partner, you take that information, you give it to the partner so that she will know. I do also think that if a celebrity DMs you, you respond. Maybe not even out of personal interest in that celebrity, but just out of curiosity. Because I don't like Adam Levine, but Adam Levine also knows other celebrities that I maybe do like. So I just think that, like, if you get the opportunity to hear some celebrity gossip directly from an A-lister, take the opportunity. Especially for someone like Sumner, too, who it sounds like was kind of trying to make a name for herself in the entertainment industry, even just as an influencer. It's also kind of a good business move for her, so... Now, after Sumner's TikTok started to go viral, Adam initially denied the affair. He wrote on an Instagram story that he used poor judgment in speaking with anyone other than his wife in any kind of flirtatious manner, but he didn't have an affair. He just crossed the line and had some conversations that became inappropriate. But... Then, some other people came forward, including an influencer named Allison Rosef. I have a lot more that was said that was, like, not appropriate. Um, I just didn't feel comfortable posting everything, and I never even wanted to post any of this. Just, I guess, if any other girls have experienced this with him, which I'm sure they have, I just think they should post it because I feel really bad for his wife and nobody deserves it, so... I feel like if you really felt that bad for his wife, you wouldn't be encouraging people to post messages Adam sent them. People seeing your husband's text messages cheating on you would probably be kind of embarrassing and not something that I think Bahati really wants super public. These girls definitely had the opportunity to try to communicate with Bahati privately and decided not to do that. And I understand how they maybe felt manipulated by Adam and wanted him to suffer some sort of public humiliation. But at that point, like, just say that. Just say that you were hurt and you want to talk about it. Don't make it about how you feel so bad for his wife. Because this story being public is definitely not helping his wife. Even if this was all a total revelation to her and she decided to divorce Adam, she still is going to have to co-parent their kids together. And she maybe doesn't want her kids to eventually become aware of the fact that there was a really public cheating scandal surrounding their parents. So then another influencer came forward. Her name was Marika. I think that's how you pronounce her name. I couldn't find a video of her saying it. So it's either like Marika or Marika. So Marika also posted more screenshots of text messages with Adam, one in which she said that she was going to take a break from Instagram for a while. And he responded by saying, distract yourself by fucking with me. And then another woman called into an Australian radio show and said that she had also had some very similar run-ins with Adam via text message. So Adam is what we would call a serial cheater. In Marika's text messages, she does call Adam out for being married, and he responds by saying that it's complicated 
thereby implying that him and his wife are kind of on the rocks and maybe aren't totally a couple anymore. So he's definitely trying to pass off the idea that by flirting with him, these women weren't actually participating in an affair. Considering Sumner said that she was with Adam for about a year, it's kind of hard to believe that Adam and Bahati were on the rocks for that long without them making a decisive choice to break up and divorce. And ultimately, Adam wound up having another baby with Bahati anyway, because he's asking Sumner if it's okay that he uses her name for his possible baby boy. So yeah, I don't think that Adam's relationship with his wife was as complicated as he was trying to pass it off as. And in any case, it definitely seems like these affairs that he had with these women, even if it was specifically just through text message, went on for a long time. So even if he wasn't cheating on his wife with them, he was probably cheating on them with each other. But most of the media attention around this scandal focused on Adam's very cringe text messages that he was sending these women. Now, I'll say that I think most people, if they had their sexts read out loud, would find the experience pretty embarrassing because it's pretty hard to be like really good at sexting people and not coming across as cringe. So I'll throw Adam a bone there, but these messages are pretty bad. And especially when you're like an A-lister, I would just think that you would have some better game because there's always the possibility that this shit is going to get out and you wouldn't want these screenshots to be seen by a whole lot of people when you don't know what you're doing when you're sexting people. So some of the internet's favorites here are, holy fuck, holy fucking fuck, that body of yours is absurd. And then seriously, fuck, I may need to see the booty. Fuck. There's also, watching your ass jiggle on that table will permanently scar me, but otherwise I'm amazing. Followed by another, fuck. I'd do anything for it. Then speaking about this woman's butt, he said, I'd buy it a steak dinner and whisper sweet nothings into it. Into what, her asshole? Then in his conversations with Allison, she wrote to him, I'm so weird too, and only listen to metal, lol. In case you haven't noticed, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. I don't fit in. To which Adam responded with, said no hot chicks ever, other than you. And she responded, I'm like a total weirdo. Have you ever seen me without this stupid hat on? That's weird. First of all, hot chicks are literally the backbone of the entire rock music industry. And second of all, what would you know about the audience of metal, Adam Levine? Now, honestly, these texts didn't really surprise me because I've listened to Maroon 5's music before and the fact that Adam Levine isn't a creative lyrical genius, not news to me. And you know, I just, I hate to do this, but I gotta put this in the, I kind of feel bad for her tier. Adam Levine is just always given me the ick. He comes across as a douchebag like 99% of the time. There's something even about his Super Bowl performance where he like took his shirt off. And I'm not someone who gets upset by people taking off articles of clothing. I prefer people kept their nasty asses and genitals covered just for the sake of like public hygiene. But shirts, I don't care if people wear or don't wear them. And if you've got a good looking chest, show it off. I don't care. 
I'm never gonna complain about men who walk around shirtless all the time because ultimately, if I were able to do it, I probably would too. But my nipples are different than men's nipples. But still, there was something about the way that Adam took his shirt off that I was just like annoyed by. He just kind of has this way that he holds himself where he seems like the kind of man who thinks that women are way more into him than they actually are. Which is probably why he's so bad at sexting because he thinks that he doesn't have to actually try that hard. And truly, my dislike for Adam probably began when he started that really unnecessary feud with Lady Gaga just because she takes her art seriously or something, which he was apparently bothered by. So as much as I feel bad for Bahati, I'm kind of like, this is who you married. Sorry. Now, speaking of serial cheaters with a pattern, we have Tristan Thompson, who yet again was found to have cheated on Khloe Kardashian in January of this year. So I mentioned it earlier, but one of the reasons that I think people kind of ignored this story is because this is not the first time that Tristan has been caught cheating on Chloe, nor is it even the second or third time. So the first time was back in like 2018, I think. Yeah, so April of 2018, Tristan was seen at a nightclub getting romantic with a woman who was not Chloe. Later that night, he was seen with the same woman getting a hotel room for the two of them. Now, at this time, Chloe was very, very pregnant. The Daily Mail actually posted some videos of Tristan and this other woman, and the title of one of them is Tristan Thompson Caught Kissing Sexy Brunette at Club. Like, was the sexy part necessary? Like, Tristan Thompson caught cheating on Chloe with a woman who was so fucking hot. But whatever. So in addition to that, there was some surveillance footage that leaked of Tristan making out with and motorboating some different women months prior. Now, all this started to come out in April of 2018 when Chloe was very, very pregnant with Tristan's child. Now, Tristan already had a pattern of cheating on his pregnant girlfriends because prior to his relationship with Chloe, he was in a relationship with another woman who was also pregnant. And then while she was pregnant, he started having an affair with Chloe, then left his previous girlfriend three months before she was supposed to give birth and started very publicly dating Chloe, like Instagram official, the whole thing. And this poor girl was really affected by it as someone would be. So there were some court docs that were obtained by Radar Online from when this previous girlfriend was asking for an increase in child support from Tristan. And in the document, she states, my obstetrician ordered me to be on bed rest due to high levels of stress that eventually caused me to have serious pregnancy complications. And those high levels of stress were brought on by the fact that Tristan was so publicly dating another woman whom he had left her for. Now, cheating on a pregnant partner is actually a super common thing for men to do. Around 10% of husbands cheat on their pregnant wives, and they're actually more likely to do that in the later stages of a pregnancy. Now, I know that I said earlier that cheating scandals are kind of low-stakes celebrity scandals, so I'm not going to go too far into this because I don't want to totally ruin the mood, but I do think it's worth mentioning that domestic abuse is incredibly common for pregnant women. Like, did you know the leading cause of death for pregnant women is domestic violence? Now, I don't have any reason to believe that Tristan has ever been violent toward any of his partners. Some of his behaviors I do think are emotionally abusive, and we'll get to that, but I just want to kind of highlight the vulnerability of pregnant women. And the fact that Tristan is continuously showing 
how little respect he has for his pregnant girlfriends is kind of alarming to me. He could have ended that relationship in a respectful manner and kept any new relationship that he was entering private, at least for the duration of her pregnancy, while she was enduring one of the most vulnerable periods of her life. But again, this is a pattern for Tristan because he did go on to cheat on Chloe days before she gave birth. Now, Chloe chose to stay in that relationship regardless, but that would not be the last time that Tristan cheated on her and got caught very publicly. So most infamously, Tristan was caught kissing Jordan Woods at a house party that he was throwing, or one of his friends was throwing. Now, Jordan was the best friend of Chloe's sister, Kylie Jenner. Neither Chloe nor Kylie nor anyone from that family was at this house party. We don't have any footage of what happened at that party. We just have different accounts of the people who were there. And there have been some differing reports on Jordan's complicity. So some people have said that she was all over him the entire night, that she was giving him a lap dance, that she stayed at that house until like 7 a.m. But Jordan did later come out and say that she wasn't all over Tristan, she didn't give him a lap dance, and that he had just kissed her as she was leaving and she was kind of like in shock. So she didn't handle the situation appropriately, but she definitely wasn't like leaning into it or trying to stoke any sort of sexual relationship with Tristan. There was a chair here, a couch and another chair. Got it. So he's sitting in this chair and there's an arm of the chair that goes up about here. Okay. And I'm sitting on the arm of the chair. There's no way it would look like a lap dance but I could see why people would say, oh, they're getting cozy. Mm -hmm. On the way out, he did kiss me. Like a tongue kiss, like a peck on the lips, peck on the, like a... No, it, it was like a kiss on the lips, but no tongue kiss, no making out. Got it. Nothing. I didn't know how to feel. I was like, that didn't just happen. Because, you know, I, I was leaving already, so I walked out immediately after. Then for some reason, Jeffree Star got involved, even though he wasn't even at that party. Listen, Jordan really just said that on the way out of Tristan's house, he kissed her on the mouth. And that is a motherfucking lie. Y'all have been hooking up for a month or two. The whole city of Calabasas knows it. There's eyes everywhere. There's normal people that aren't famous that are your neighbors, bitch. And everyone sees everything. Y'all have been hooking up for a while. It finally came out. You're fucking shook that the truth's out and you're trying to save your ass, girl. I only know Jeffree Star who dresses in various hairs and, and, and you know, he's like thin. Now, I would still say that it's impossible to know what happened at that party that night. Other people at the party who are still kind of nameless sources have said that Jordan was like all over Tristan. And Jordan's really the only person who has contradicted that story, but that also doesn't make me believe Jordan any less, because I know how small behaviors that young women make can get exaggerated and used to slander them. Like, I think it's very possible that Jordan was just drunk that night and maybe was a little bit more flirty with Tristan, not in like an intentional way, but just in the way that sometimes you get drunk and kind of become more physically affectionate toward people, like hugging and touching and... It doesn't necessarily mean that Jordan was actually trying to have sex with anyone. She could just be kind of a flirty person. And Jordan is also quite a bit younger than Tristan, and I already just don't really trust Tristan that much. I don't think that he has a whole lot of respect for women, so I can totally buy the story that Jordan ended up in a situation that made her uncomfortable and Tristan took advantage of it. Now, given the fact that this was her best friend's sister's 
boyfriend who had a known problem with cheating. It wasn't appropriate for Jordan to be at that party to begin with, with no one else from the family present. I don't really know what she was doing there. But she also did own up to that in her Red Table talk with Jada Smith that she just shouldn't have been at that party to begin with. And really, it's like, she was 22 at the time. So yeah, she's an adult, but a young adult and young adults make mistakes. In fact, I kind of feel like 22 is the last year where you can do like really dumb shit and still kind of excuse it with your age. Once you start fucking up when you're 23, it's kind of like, get it together. But 22, it's like... She could very well have just made some bad decisions, and that doesn't mean that she was ever having a full-blown affair with Tristan. But this is the sort of situation where everyone is kinda wrong. So after Jordan's Red Table talk, Chloe tweeted at her saying, Why are you lying? If you're going to try and save yourself by going public instead of calling me privately to apologize first, at least be honest about your story. Now, to that I would say, I still don't know whether or not Jordan is lying, but I do think that she should have handled this privately before doing an interview. And as far as I'm aware, she still hasn't had like a really private conversation with Chloe about all this. So that I do think is fucked up. If you really do feel bad about what happened, then you should definitely go to the person who was primarily hurt in this situation before you do public interviews talking about it. Especially if what Jordan is saying is true and Tristan just took advantage of her while she was drunk and a young girl at this party alone, then Chloe deserves to know that that's Tristan's modus operandi. That he's not just going for women who are already showing a clear interest in him, but he's actually like manipulating young women into having some sort of sexual relationship with them. It kind of makes Tristan an even worse person for Chloe to be with. And maybe if Jordan had said that to Chloe privately, Chloe would have been more inclined to listen to her instead of Jordan just going on these interviews to try to clear her name, which is pretty obviously what she was doing. I get why Jordan would want to clear her name, but I think from Chloe's perspective, I can get why that would make whatever Jordan said seem a little less trustworthy, because she didn't say it to you privately. But where Chloe really, really loses me is the next sentence of this tweet where she says, by the way, you are the reason my family broke up. And that is just ridiculous. Jordan Woods is not the reason that your family broke up. Tristan is a serial cheater who had already cheated on you multiple times, and spoiler, he's gonna do it again. If it hadn't been Jordan, it would have just been someone else. So you can't blame Jordan in this scenario, even if she did kind of like seduce him by giving him a lap dance at this party. It was still his responsibility to not cheat on you. And Chloe continued this bullshit in a following tweet, which she started by saying, Tristan is equally to blame, and I gotta stop you right there, Chloe. Tristan is not equally to blame. Tristan is 100% to blame. You can be mad at Jordan as someone who you thought you could trust. You know, like Jordan was Kylie's best friend. She was kind of integrated in the entire family dynamic. They thought of her more or less as like another sister. So it definitely was fucked up for Jordan to be involved in something like this when Chloe thought she could trust her. But she absolutely did not break up your family, Chloe. Tristan is the only person who could ever be responsible for that because Tristan is the only person who ever had the power to do that. Any issue you have with Jordan is a separate betrayal. But then Chloe goes on to piss me off even more, saying, but Tristan is the father of my child. Regardless of what he does to me, I won't do that to my daughter. 
And I have an issue with that. I understand that, like, divorce and split households can have a really negative effect on children, especially when there's an actual, like, breakup that occurred. That can be a kind of hard thing for kids to navigate. But when this cheating scandal with Jordan occurred and Chloe still decided to be with Tristan, Chloe and Tristan's kid was less than a year old. So really, she wasn't gonna understand what was going on anyway. Chloe had a very good opportunity at that point to raise her daughter in a household where mommy and daddy weren't together anymore and have that be normalized. Instead of just continuing this relationship where Tristan would continue to disrespect Chloe, and there would have to be a breakup later on anyway that your daughter is going to be more likely to remember because she's older. But this is also just something that really rubs me the wrong way for very personal reasons, as the daughter of a household in which her parents were often not getting along and in which I always thought that my parents should be divorced. However traumatizing you think it will be for your daughter to witness her parents splitting up, I promise you that it is also traumatizing to live in a household full of constant tension. Like this whole we stayed together for the kids thing, it just really pisses me off. I'm not saying that you should be quick to divorcing or splitting with your partner. If you really think that you can make it work with your partner by getting therapy and working through your issues, for sure, exhaust every option before you decide to split permanently. But absolutely, you should not be resolving yourself to stay in a relationship that you're not happy in for the sake of your child. Because I guarantee you, your child is gonna notice. And it's not gonna be good for them. If you're willing to commit to your partner for the sake of your daughter, consider the fact that you can be committed to maintaining a healthy co-parenting relationship that doesn't involve you being together romantically. Especially when you have such an unreliable partner anyway, it's probably better to cut things off sooner rather than later so they don't get the chance to do something else to you that fosters even more resentment. In specifically saying that you're gonna stay in this unhealthy relationship for the sake of your daughter, it's just so fucked up to me because part of your job as a parent is to be a role model for your kids. And I don't really think you would want your daughter to be in the kind of relationship that you're in, Chloe. The kind where her partner cheats on her constantly and does it days before she gives birth to their child. Like, it's okay to ask for more for yourself, especially when you have kids, so that your kids can see that it's okay for them to ask for more for themselves. Don't let your daughter witness you living a life that you wouldn't want her to also live. If you want to throw away your own life for a man who doesn't give a shit about you, that's fine. But don't use your daughter as an excuse for it. But anyway, let's bring this into the present. So late last year in 2021, it came out that Tristan had cheated on Chloe again when a paternity suit brought against Tristan by another woman went public. So the lawsuit claimed that this woman had slept with Tristan on his birthday, and apparently Chloe threw him a birthday party. This is his whole declaration. He's asking for a paternity test and admitting that he had sex with her. Chloe threw him his 30th birthday. So she, he went home from the 30th birthday party, went to Houston to play on the road, we can check his schedule, and then slept with this girl. Then in January 2022, Tristan posted this Instagram story saying, Today, paternity test results reveal that I fathered a child with Marley Nichols. I take full responsibility for my actions. Now that paternity has been established, I look forward to amicably raising our son. I sincerely apologize to everyone I've hurt or disappointed throughout this ordeal, both publicly and privately. 
Chloe, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve the heartache and humiliation I have caused you. You don't deserve the way I have treated you over the years. My actions certainly have not lined up with the way I view you. I have the utmost respect and love for you, regardless of what you may think. Again, I am so incredibly sorry. Now, shockingly, it gets worse. So in July of this year, it became public knowledge that Chloe and Tristan were having another baby, this time via surrogate. Now, by the time this development became public, the surrogate was already very close to her due date, and people did the math and realized that the surrogate was pregnant with Chloe and Tristan's child prior to Chloe becoming aware of Tristan's new child with another woman. Then on season two of The Kardashians, Chloe revealed that Tristan had been pressuring her to go forward with the surrogacy by a certain date, likely trying to get the surrogate pregnant with Tristan and Chloe's child before it could come out that Tristan had cheated on Chloe again. But he was well aware at this point that this other woman was pregnant because they were in a legal battle where this woman had to prove that Tristan was the father of this new unborn child. So Tristan had already gotten himself like lawyers and everything to fight this before ever telling Chloe. And while he was pressuring Chloe to go forward with this surrogacy. All I know is I was being encouraged to do it by a certain date. In hindsight, he always knew when the other baby was being born and he found out July 2nd, so he did know. And this is where I would say that this is just blatantly abusive of Tristan because he was very clearly trying to manipulate her and trying to trap her into staying in a relationship with him by making sure that they were having another child before she could figure out that he was cheating on her yet again. In a way, I'm tempted to put this into I kind of feel bad for her just because it's such a pattern for Tristan at this point that it's kind of like, what did you expect, Chloe? But with the severity of what Tristan did and the fact that he has done this to other women too, for that reason, I'm putting this in die. All right, so there's a few things that I want to add on here to the Tristan-Chloe shit, because as I was editing and I was gathering my, like, B-roll, I came across some more information that I thought was worth mentioning because it just highlights what a piece of shit Tristan is. First off, I forgot to mention that after the whole Jordan Woods thing, Tristan actually threatens suicide to Chloe, which is a very common tactic of abusers. But there was some additional stuff with the child support disputes with his previous girlfriend before Chloe that I didn't realize. So, for one thing, she said that he paid her $112,000 as a bribe, which is what she called it, to not have any other boyfriends or to start dating other men after he left her for Chloe. Now, Tristan claims that he wasn't trying to stop her from dating at all. He just wanted her to not bring, like, random men around her kid. But even then, let's say that this woman had a habit of bringing just, like, whomever around her child. That's really not the way that you handle that situation if you're concerned as a co-parent. You could go to the court and try to get custody of your kid yourself if you thought that she was putting your child in unsafe situations, which he never did. And she said that after she gave birth at the end of December 2017, 
they were initially having like a pretty good co-parenting relationship and Tristan was FaceTiming with their kid and they would visit him on the road. But then she said that was short-lived. Tristan and I remained friends for months. However, he eventually made it clear that he did not want me to see or date anyone. I could not agree to this. It became clear to me that his interest was never in Prince when I told him I no longer wanted this type of friendship with him and he became completely absent in Prince's life. This was all from her 2018 deposition where she said that Tristan had only seen his son nine times since he was born. Clearly, Tristan's relationship with Chloe mattered to him way more than his relationship with his ex. And that means that his relationship with his child with Chloe probably mattered quite a bit more, especially considering he had only seen his child like nine times. Now, granted, that is the estimate that his ex gave, but Tristan and his lawyers weren't able to convincingly contest that in court because they didn't even know how many times that Tristan had seen his own fucking kid. And while he was regularly dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars to upkeep his lifestyle with Chloe and with her whole family, the Kardashians, he was only paying his ex $15,000 a month in child support. And I know that some people are going to hear that and say, well, that's plenty. A kid doesn't need $15,000 a month to survive. But that's not how child support payments work. They are not based on the necessity of the kid in a very strict sense. They are calculated in an effort to equalize the income for two separate households. So that the kid doesn't grow up with one parent being able to afford these huge luxuries that the other parent can't afford and their standard of living between two households is completely incompatible. And that is especially something that needs to be taken into account here where Tristan now has kids with other women. And obviously, Khloe Kardashian is also hella rich. So anytime that this woman's son was hanging out with his own sister, who is Khloe's child, and the child that Tristan is obviously paying more attention to, eventually, once he gets old enough, he's gonna notice that his sister has luxuries that Tristan is partially providing that he does not get because Tristan is just not involved in his life the same way that he is in his sister's life. Next up is John Mulaney, who allegedly cheated on his now ex-wife Anna Marie Tendler. Now, this one was never confirmed to be a true cheating scandal. We don't know if an actual affair occurred, but some people have tried to establish a timeline here, and it doesn't look great for John. Either he did cheat on his ex-wife, or he started this new relationship very, very quickly after they split, which maybe isn't technically cheating, but considering the decision to divorce didn't seem to be mutual at all, it still does kind of make him look like the bad guy. And there are a couple other factors for this too. So you're probably aware of who John Mulaney is. He's a very popular comedian. He's been kind of known to be more progressive than other comedians. He didn't whine about cancel culture. He wasn't protesting college campuses. And he seemed to really like his wife, which, considering the amount of old-school comedy that's based around this, like, ball-and-chain depiction of marriage, that that's saying something that is in itself pretty progressive, that John was very publicly pro-wife instead of just complaining about her in his stand-up all the time. So, like Adam Levine and Ned Fulmer, John Mulaney was definitely a wife guy. His wife is named Anna Marie Tendler, whom John told some jokes about on stage, but all of them were pretty flattering to Anna, even when John was calling her a bitch. 
I would never say that, not even as a joke, that my wife is a bitch and I don't like her. That is not true. My wife is a bitch and I like her so much. She is a dynamite five-foot Jewish bitch and she's the best. John also had jokes about how him and Anna didn't think they wanted any children in the future. And he had material about his struggles with alcoholism and his status as a recovering drug addict. So when he announced in 2020 that he was seeking treatment for a drug addiction, people were mostly supportive because he's got material where he talked about his struggles with drug addiction. So people sympathized, people were empathetic. Then around that same time when it was announced that him and Anna were getting a divorce, people were then pretty sad about it. Then, when it was announced that he was dating and expecting a baby with the actress Olivia Munn, people started to get kind of pissed. This caused a whole uproar online. There was backlash, and then there was backlash to the backlash, and then backlash to the backlash to the backlash. The whole thing put the term parasocial relationships on people's radar. A parasocial relationship is just a relationship of, like, a fan to a celebrity. It's something where... One person knows a lot about the other person, but the other person doesn't necessarily know that that other person exists. So it's a one-way relationship. And a lot of people started really bastardizing the term in a way where they could just stroke their own sense of moral superiority. Like, oh, look at these people getting so upset about John Mulaney and Anna Marie Tendler's divorce. They're not even involved in their personal lives. They're stupid. And they have an unhealthy fixation with John Mulaney because of their own parasocial relationships, which I would never be involved in, personally. Parasocial relationships are for weirdos. I, on the other hand, just sympathize with John's battle for recovery. I feel really bad for him about that, and I hope that he's doing really well in his treatment. Like, the amount of people who were complaining about the people who were sad or upset about John Mulaney's divorce were also exhibiting their own parasocial relationships with John Mulaney by defending him and by publicly supporting his road to sobriety. You are also in a parasocial relationship. You're just policing the way that other people interact with their own. But it was perfectly natural and reasonable for people to have empathy and feel bad for Anna Marie Tendler in this situation. And it's also totally natural for that empathy that they were extending toward Anna to then manifest as anger toward John. And while, yes, we don't know what happened between John and Anna privately, there are reasons to think of John as the bad guy in this situation just based on what we do know. So for one, we don't know much about the separation, but we know that it wasn't a mutual decision because Anna, through a representative, gave this statement to people saying, I am heartbroken that John has decided to end our marriage. I wish him support and success as he continues his recovery. Number two, while I still don't think that we should be calling the other women in these scenarios homewreckers, there was kind of reason to be suspicious of Olivia Munn because she had given public statements prior indicating that she had had a bit of a crush on John Mulaney before they started dating. The two first met at Seth Meyers' wedding. I guess I should say the three of them first met because Anna was also at that wedding and at the time was engaged to John. So a few years ago, Olivia gave this quote to Vogue saying, we were at a wedding together and I was like, oh my gosh, do you and your fiance want to go have dinner or something and go hang out? At first it was cool. And then I kept going up to him at the wedding. Like, so you having fun? I was just so obsessed with hanging out with and talking with him. So there was a lot of nasty shit being said about Olivia throughout this scandal. And 
I'm not going to stand by a lot of it. I don't think it's fair to call her a homewrecker. And there were a lot of people pointing out problematic things that Olivia has done in her past. And while I agree that those things were bad, I think we also need to acknowledge that a lot of Olivia's public image in the 2000s was created within this, like, bro culture that Olivia made her name in. And I think the bulk of our criticism toward Olivia Munn should be aimed at that culture rather than the women who succumb to it in order to survive. But the third reason that I think a lot of people found this situation to be aggravating is that Olivia Munn's public image has always relied pretty heavily on self-objectification. So, like, in her time on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, she very much played the part of a woman of color willing to lean into Asian-American stereotypes for comedic effect. White folks can have their happiness and their indigos. I'll go the tiger way. You know, when I was growing up, you always were like, you know, oh, you know, why don't you listen to me? Oh, you make me lose my marble. I give you a knuckle sandwich. Oh, why you make mommy so mad? What do you make one of me for? That's just how you talk. So what? That's just, look, you've been in America for a long time. You should probably lose the accent. So that the dominantly white male writers of the show could make jokes at the expense of Asian women, but get away with it because an Asian woman was the one actually saying those jokes. And I'm sure Olivia wrote some of them herself too, but... Does that make it better? I don't know. And on Attack of the Show, she was basically just the hot girl in a bikini who happened to like all the same things that nerdy boys often like. I'm not used to seeing her without the tentacles, but mm -hmm. okay. I got bloomers on. Can I do a tentacle oh! type? Do we, get, do we need a Swiffer? What do we need? Let me just oh. get it out. You're doing the washing machine? Or what are you doing? Let me just... Okay. Oh, okay. Just throw that Woo! over there. Oh! I don't know. Well, that is a pile of Craigslist gold if I've ever seen one. Don't. You're fine. Careful. Okay. Oh, you're really, really exploring it. You're really exploring it. Okay, easy. Easy. While I am all for hot girls in bikinis, there is just something about the way that Olivia was portraying herself that seemed more intent to pander to an idealized version of what a hot, nerdy girl should be than it was, like, an authentic expression of herself. So there was definitely a picture painted of this divorce in which John Mulaney, a recovering drug addict, left his no-nonsense bitch ex-wife to then be with a woman who built her entire brand around accommodating the fantasies of white heterosexual men. Parasocial relationships or not, it shouldn't really be surprising to anyone that this scandal did transform the image that a lot of John Mulaney's female audience had of him. Kinda soured our opinion on Mr. Mulaney. Because with what we can see of this breakup, it's just natural for a lot of women to take Anna's side. If my boyfriend left me for the girl who's putting hot dogs that were hanging from the ceiling in her mouth on attack of the show, for no real reason other than hot dogs kind of look like dicks. I'd be kind of annoyed. So no, I don't think that I'm being a parasocial weirdo just because I look at John Mulaney a little differently now. Doesn't mean I think for sure he did anything wrong, 
but I sympathize with Anna because I know how I would feel in that situation. And the reaction that a lot of people had to Anna's plight was made all the more visceral by the fact that Anna published a series of photographs on Instagram and on her website that seemed to document her life immediately post-separation. So the series was called Rooms in the First House. The description on her website says, a reference to the first astrological house, the house of self. These photographic works chronicle the often non-linear experiences of loss, anger, and powerlessness, as well as a reclamation of identity. Now, one of the photos in this series was called Dinner in March, and it shows Anna sitting across the table from an empty seat that already has its food laid out. Now, people did the math, and they put together that March was probably around the time that John told Anna that Olivia was pregnant with his child. I'm getting really sick of people acting like parasocial relationships are this inherently bad phenomenon. Certainly, yes, there are downsides to them. For one thing, different public figures can use their audience's parasocial relationship with them as a way to exploit their audience for profit. Because if someone makes you feel like you have a really personal connection with them, you might feel like you need to support them financially. And obviously, the people who have these parasocial relationships can develop some unhealthy fixations on the public figures that they feel like they know, which at the worst end can lead to stalking and harassment. But even when it's not that severe, too much attention being put on public figures' personal lives can get pretty invasive. John Mulaney mentioned in one of his latest stand-up hours that everyone hates his baby and hated that baby before it was even born just because of the backlash that surrounds how his relationship with Olivia Munn came to be. And yeah, that like really sucks. There is an amount of attention being placed on this breakup that is kind of inappropriate and led to a lot of people feeling comfortable getting kind of weird and hateful. But ultimately, parasocial relationships are a natural outcome of human beings being empathetic and community-driven creatures. Those feelings you get of relatability to public figures that you have parasocial relationships with comes from the same empathy that allows you to become really engaged with TV shows and movies and books and music or comedy. People don't need to personally know Anna Marie Tendler to feel like they relate to her and therefore feel pretty bad for her and maybe even angry at her ex-husband when it appears that something shitty happened to her. Like, as far as I know, Anna Marie Tendler didn't personally know Olivia Rodrigo when she posted an Instagram story shouting out Olivia's debut album, which is dominantly centered around a breakup that Olivia went through. Just a therapist I found for you, she really helped. Now you can be a better man for your brand new girl. TGIF. <laughs> and I was like, what happened to that? You know what? I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring it back my own way. Blowjob Fridays for all of my guy friends. But Anna could still listen to those songs and apply Olivia's lyrics to her own situation. That is normal. That is how we engage with media. And that is where parasocial relationships come from, is empathy and an ability to relate to other people that you do not personally know. And for that reason, I'm putting this in die. Die, die, die! I don't mean that literally, obviously. It's a joke. All right, but moving on to another story involving an Olivia. This one is Olivia Wilde. Yet again, this is one where there's no actual evidence of a specific affair. 
It appears that Olivia and her fiancé, Jason Sudeikis, were already broken up. Now, Olivia and Jason were never married. I might occasionally refer to them as husband and wife, because it was the kind of relationship where it's like, all right, close enough, because they lived together, and they had two kids together, and they were together for like nine years, too, so essentially they were married, but the fact that they never actually officially tied the knot might say something about that relationship, because once you've gotten to the point where you've already got two kids together, you live together, and you're both rich as hell, so it's not like you're just saving up money to have the wedding you really, really want, like you can do it whenever you feel like it, the fact that they didn't actually officially tie the knot probably says that their relationship was not on the best of terms prior to this affair happening. So while Olivia has publicly said that her and Jason broke up months before she started dating the singer Harry Styles, the nanny hired by Jason and Olivia has since come out and said that Olivia actually dumped Jason around November 8th and that Jason had uncovered the details of Olivia's relationship with Harry by reading messages on Olivia's Apple Watch that she had accidentally left behind. How did Jason know that she was having an affair with Harry? He was reading all of her messages. She says Sudeikis had taken Olivia's Apple Watch and read a private text message that Olivia sent to a friend. She said, I kissed Harry at the dinner in Palm Springs. I kissed him. I put the, you know, put the first move on him. And I'm so nervous because he hasn't said anything. Now, this is kind of similar to the Ned Fulmer thing before, but also not really. So Olivia was directing the movie Don't Worry Darling, starring Harry Styles, and that's where the relationship started. So like with Ned and Alex, there is a bit of a power difference between Olivia and Harry on the set of the movie because Olivia was the director and Harry was just a cast member. Olivia's also a bit older than Harry, but not by that much. And Harry's like a full grown adult. So he's in his like late 20s. I think we can trust him to make sound decisions based on his age. But yeah, there definitely is something to be said about the fact that Olivia was the director of the movie. But also like it's a bit different from what was happening with the Try Guys, where it was always kind of expected that the food babies and Alexandria was going to be working with the Try Guys for like an indefinite period as an associate producer. Whereas like on a movie, that's a temporary work situation. And it was probably expected that that relationship would last longer than the filming of the movie was going to take place. So it's not like there was this indefinite situation in which Olivia was going to have power over Harry. And Harry is also just like a big pop star. So even if on the set, Olivia was technically in charge, it's not like he was someone that was super new to the industry. He has a lot of power in his own right, which would kind of help equalize the power dynamic between him and Olivia. So ultimately I could only ever deem that Olivia's relationship with Harry was super inappropriate if I actually saw how they were interacting with one another. Like, was Olivia really pushing Harry or was it kind of more of a mutual flirtation, even if she was the first to actually make the like move to kiss him? I just say that because when this was all coming out, a lot of people were very quick to vilify Olivia Wilde. And I don't think a lot of the factors that were going into why people wanted to vilify Olivia were really taking everything into account. Like, yeah, she was his boss, technically, but that's not really the full context, and it doesn't equate to the kind of working relationship that, like, Ned would have with Alexandria. 
And when I look into this entire thing, I definitely don't feel that bad for Jason Sudeikis. Because one of the incidents that the nanny in this scenario told the Daily Mail about involved Jason becoming really upset with Olivia when he discovered that she was preparing a salad with her special dressing that she was going to take to meet with Harry for some sort of like lunch or dinner date. Olivia later posted something on her Instagram that seemed to hint at what this special dressing was made of, and it seems like it's just like a plain vinaigrette. It's really nothing special. But it was special to Jason. So special, in fact, that he felt the need to start ranting furiously at Olivia, filming the entire encounter, and then trying to lie under her car to prevent her from leaving to go meet Harry. He's walking around with a bat. He had a bat. And, and he's like pulling on his hair and, and he was yelling. And she took her salad dressing, her special salad dressing, and she left. He ran after her and he laid down behind her car so she wouldn't drive off. Olivia said she was scared of Jason. And this was a night when she left with her salad. Um, and she, Jason, Jason ran after her videotaping her in the house. And, tell, and she's saying, I'm scared of you, Jason. I'm scared of you. And he's videotaping her and she said, if you're scared of me, why are you leaving your kids with me? So then Jason went outside and laid under her car so she wouldn't leave. So she's got in her car to back up and he laid under her car so she wouldn't leave. She went back in the house and then he went back in and it was just back and forth. And he, he said he was doing it on purpose to make her late to go see Harry. Then she says the Ted Lasso star turned his wrath on her threatening don't tell Olivia that he had her Apple Watch. Jason told me, if you say anything about this, this is all gonna backfire in your face. Yeah, so this is super like manipulative and fucked up. As soon as someone lies under someone else's car to prevent them from leaving their own house, I'm not really gonna be on their side. This isn't the only manipulative and fucked up thing Jason did during this time, because if you missed it or you don't remember, Olivia was doing a presentation at CinemaCon for Don't Worry Darling. And during her presentation, when she was on stage speaking, someone came up onto the stage and handed her a manila envelope that contained the custody papers for the children that Jason and Olivia shared. I want you to imagine a life where you have everything you could ever want, ever dream of. Not just the material, tangible things like a beautiful house and perfect weather and gorgeous cars. This is for me, right now. This is very mysterious. I'm gonna open it now because it feels like it's timely. Is it a script? Oh, okay, got it, thank you. Um, but, you know, in gorgeous cars, but also the things that... Olivia said, it was my workplace. In any other workplace, it would be seen as an attack. It was really upsetting. It shouldn't have been able to happen. There was a huge breach in security, which is really scary. The hurdles that you had to jump through to get into that room with several badges, plus special COVID tests that had to be taken days in advance, which gave you wristbands that were necessary to gain access to the event, this was something that required forethought. She went on to say, I hated that this nastiness distracted from the work of so many different people in the studio that I was up there representing. To try to sabotage that was really vicious, but I had a job to do. I'm not easily distracted. But you know, sadly, it was not something that was entirely surprising to me. 
I mean, there's a reason I left that relationship. Now, the nanny in this situation kind of seems like she still somewhat sides with Jason because she said that she felt really bad for Jason and how poorly he dealt with the breakup. I guess that she thinks that Olivia was kind of giving him mixed signals because she says at one point that the thing about that was when Olivia left Jason as she was filming and going out with Harry, she was still leaving him voicemails and texts saying she loved him and he was her everything. He let me read them and hear them. Jason was like, she was just here naked in the swimming pool and she was naked in our bed. When I saw Olivia holding hands as a couple with Harry, I couldn't believe it. Just a month before when we were in LA, she was sending Jason messages saying she loved him. So it was like, how can you be in this relationship and then holding hands with someone else a month later? It was a lot of mixed messages. And to that, I would say that like, when you're with someone for nine years and you have two kids with them, it probably is kind of messy emotionally. It's probably hard for you to just totally cut the relationship off and not express any sort of affection for that person. Like, yeah, Olivia was maybe sending Jason text messages saying that she loved him, but he's the father of her kids. I mean, she's always going to have some sort of love for him. That doesn't necessarily mean that she was expressing any romantic love. And the same thing with her being naked in the swimming pool and naked in their bed. Was she naked specifically as a way to try to sexually arouse Jason? Or is she just a person who walks around her house naked? I mean, for sure, if you're separating from someone who's not taking the breakup well, yeah, you probably shouldn't be naked around the house as much, and you probably shouldn't be sending text messages saying, I love you and you're my everything. But relationships get messy and weird sometimes, so as much as I think Olivia probably handled things badly, does that make me believe that she's just an inherently bad person or that she was to blame for this entire relationship ending? No, especially with some of the other things that the nanny claims, because even though this nanny sympathizes with Jason more than she does with Olivia, she also says a whole bunch of stuff that makes it seem like Jason is an incredibly manipulative person. So the nanny basically got put into the middle of this breakup between Olivia and Jason to the point that she was apparently even attending the like couples therapy sessions that the two were going to, which is insane. And then in addition to that, Jason then signed her up for sessions with his own life coach. And then that life coach was pumping the nanny for information about Olivia. So there's this like whole racket of manipulation going on where Jason signs the nanny up for sessions with this life coach. And then the life coach then asks the nanny a whole bunch of information about Olivia. And then presumably is reporting all that information back to Jason. The nanny also says that Jason would start texting her from the Ted Lasso set asking her if she had had any contact with Olivia and would get really upset with her if she had talked to Olivia. You were a wounded bird, damaged goods, you'd never get married, nobody wants you. So Jason was very much trying to like pull the nanny onto his side and get her to turn on Olivia, which is a wild thing for you to do for someone who is your employee and especially is your employee who watches your children. Like, why would you want to poison your nanny's opinion of the mother of your children? It says, feeling manipulated and overwhelmed by the increasingly toxic relationship between her employers, the nanny told Sadeka she wanted to leave at the end of January, but offered to continue working for another six months while they found her replacement. But 
On February 1st, the nanny claims she was abruptly fired late at night by a drunk and out-of-control Sudeikis who became enraged after discovering she had texted Wild. She says she still has some sympathy for Sudeikis, but is angry with Wild, whose departure turned the family's happy life upside down. And for that, it's like... I, I feel for the nanny in this situation because she did lose her job really abruptly, and there are some text messages back and forth after Jason had fired the nanny, and Olivia was like, no, no, you're not fired, don't worry. So it seemed like Olivia was kind of trying to do right by this nanny, but then when things started to get really weird, then Olivia kind of ghosted the nanny, and I get why the nanny is upset about that, and I get how she got into a position where she gave this interview to the Daily Mail, because the Daily Mail pays pretty fucking good. So if you got information and you're recently unemployed, I totally understand getting your revenge against your former employers in this way, but also... There are kids involved, and kids that you seem to care about, because that was kind of one of the more upsetting things from this article, is that after she was fired and she completely lost contact with Olivia and Jason's kids, she was concerned that the kids weren't going to understand why she wasn't around anymore, and they were going to think that she had abandoned them, and that is like a big concern, you know? If you're going to have nannies looking after your kids, you need to take the relationship that your kids have with that nanny pretty seriously, because it is really important to them, and you can really fuck up their development if you don't let them get any closure for that. So absolutely, there are mistakes here that I believe Olivia has made that were super irresponsible, and she definitely could have handled this situation better. But overall, Jason definitely seems like the bigger mess of a person. And I understand why Olivia would want to leave someone like Jason to be with someone like Harry Styles, who seems very nice and is also very, very handsome. I'll text if he's an absolute legend. He objectifies He's Jim. He's Jim. So for that, I'm putting this in allegedly. Now our final scandal is a pretty recent one, and this is the GMA3 scandal starring TJ Holmes and Amy Robach. So I'm mostly following this timeline here from Vulture. So 2014 is when TJ officially joined the GMA Good Morning America crew and became fast friends with Amy. They were such good friends, in fact, that they apparently went on double dates together with their spouses. And apparently Amy's kids babysat TJ's kids, so the whole family here enmeshed. Amy had become friends with TJ's wife, Marley, and TJ had become friends, apparently, with Amy's husband, Andrew, to the point that on an episode of Good Morning America, TJ actually did, like, a tribute kind of thing to Amy and Andrew's relationship. Well, it's a it's a love story like none other you're about to hear about, <laughs> folks. Uh, this is the part of the show. Really, we, we joke, we laugh, and we're having a good time here, but these are absolutely two of my favorite people on the planet. So, of course, you all know uh, Amy Robach and her husband here, Andrew Shue, who's a dear, dear friend as well. Now, both Amy and TJ have an alleged history of infidelity. Amy is rumored to have cheated on her ex-husband with her current husband. I couldn't find any information confirming that, but that is a rumor that exists. And in 2016, TJ apparently started a three-year-long affair with a GMA producer named Natasha. Now, this was a big old affair. TJ apparently even had keys to Natasha's apartment, and multiple sources told Page Six that the cheating duo confided in Robach about their infidelity. Amy was the person they went to to talk about their affair and marriages. Now, in 2019, TJ's wife, Marley, apparently found out about his affair with Natasha. 
TJ ended the affair and apparently started working things out with Marley to reconcile their marriage. In 2020, he posted this about his wife on Facebook. Ten years ago, Marley married me, and despite my best effort, she remained married to me the past ten years. That's not hyperbole. I'm not being dramatic. I gave her plenty of reasons, excuses, and opportunities to walk her fine ass out the door. So this is possibly a worse tribute to TJ's wife than Chris Pratt's Instagram post about his wife. There's just this thing that men especially, like, age 35 and up like to do, where they will exhibit their own love for their wife by just listing all the things that they like that she does for them, and also admitting that they're like a shitty spouse who their wives probably shouldn't be with to begin with. And men just post stuff like that all the time, acting like it's a tribute to their relationship, and a whole bunch of people rally around them and go like, oh my god, that's so sweet. Her entire worth is a human being is being a good, forgiving wife to her husband, who's not very nice to her. You know what? This is the culture that makes Khloe Kardashian think she's doing right by her daughter by staying with a man who cheats on her while she's pregnant. Anyway, so apparently there had been rumors about TJ and Amy having an affair all the way back in 2017, but apparently the affair didn't actually begin until March of this year when the two started training for a marathon together. A marathon, by the way, that they ran alongside Amy's husband, Andrew. Yup, 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 yup. So I already covered that Amy and Marley were friends, but their friendship started to sour a little bit after Marley discovered TJ's affair with Natasha and Amy continued to be friends with Natasha. An inside source said she would see photos of them on Instagram and she didn't understand how their friend and her husband's co-host could remain friends with the woman who tried to break up their marriage. But then Amy's friendship with Natasha later ended because Amy had become so close with TJ. And then around the summer, multiple sources said that TJ and Amy would have random meetings together during the day and hit the pub to have drinks. Then from May 30th to June 5th of 2022, Amy and TJ went to London together to cover the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. And Amy even wrote on Instagram about TJ that she couldn't have asked for a better partner through it all. Now, it was reported that Amy and TJ separated from their spouses in August. And Amy even posted a photo on Instagram in November where she wasn't wearing her wedding ring. And she had already put the apartment that her and her husband shared on the market. So it seems like Things between Amy and Andrew were already kind of ending at that point, but sources said that TJ and his wife were fully together in August and even celebrated his birthday with a trip to the Bahamas. And that was when Marley discovered a birthday card from Amy to TJ that was too personal and brought back the old Natasha drama. At this point, Marley is starting to get really suspicious of TJ, and then in November... TJ and Amy ran another marathon together, and then on November 30th, that is when the Daily Mail published 65 photos of TJ and Amy together throughout November. So pictures of them holding hands, there's a picture of TJ grabbing Amy's butt, there was also a point where they were like at a bar together, and it said that she was kind of dancing in her chair to the music and laughing so hard she practically fell into his lap. And then it says they reportedly left ABC office separately, and were later seen standing far apart while waiting for a ride to TJ's apartment. They later both went inside, and Amy reportedly did not leave that day. So she had a little sleepover with TJ at his apartment. 
apparently on November 11th, they also had a weekend getaway with one another in a remote and charming stone and wood paneled cottage, which sounds lovely. Now this all came out with the Daily Mail post. There are rumors that Marley hired a PI to find evidence of the affair with Amy, but I haven't found any confirmation of that. That's just another rumor. It's very possible that someone at the Daily Mail just got wind that these co-hosts of Good Morning America were having an affair with one another and they were like, oh, that's kind of like a juicy story. Let's get someone to follow them with cameras for a bit. I don't know for sure that Marley is the one that actually hired this PI to take photos of them. But this is the only scandal in this entire list where a lot of people in the general public have been kind of rooting for the cheaters in this scenario. Because this whole thing prompted a lot of people to go back through old clips of TG and Amy on Good Morning America, and they have discovered that these two have a lot of chemistry. TJ told me he needed a nightlight. <laughs> I knew this was coming. I just wait for it. Wow. Just wait for it. You know what? There's so no cute. shame it's in that really game, cute. TJ. It's very endearing. It's a Batman nightlight, though. <laughs> Prescription, it's, uh, it's for Amy. It's about hugging. Because uh, <laughs> I know that she is such a fan. Uh, so she's watching right now. And we found in recent studies that hugging has been able to be uh, associated to decreased levels of cortisol, that stress hormone. Mm. Okay, she's back tomorrow. Can we do this one again? I'm I'm going to remind her about this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll have you two hold hands for 10 minutes and then I'll, uh, I'll check your blood pressure and your heart rate. Out. Yeah, it's going to be through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> in all likelihood. All right, doctor. I've never run a half marathon before. So y'all got me sitting here and our social media producer, Brandon, is asking us for tips on a half marathon. My tip is to ask somebody who's done this for but, the tips. But you, you can't say that word. Can't say what? Oh. <laughs> What are you trying to say? <laughs> no, no, Welcome back. We're say. so happy you're here this on is this ridiculous. Friday. I was gone just a couple days. I kept getting messages from her. Seriously, all the last couple days. Show went great today. <laughs> I mean, he asked me how it went, and I didn't want to lie. Amazing show. Take your time getting back, is what I read. No, I never would say that. Mm -hmm. I'm so <laughs> you know Dr. Sutton's gone after today, right? It does look a little bit like a wedding dress, but you know what? It looks White, great. you know, it's good all year round. It is. And For it, anybody. It, look, if anybody speaks purity on this set, oh it's God. this one. Yeah, thank you, Fonda. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes. Oh, all right, welcome, everybody. The number one tip I would say is to start slow. I think that's the biggest mistake people make when you've got long distance running. They mm. think they've got to go full speed, and then they tire out, and once you lose your breath, you cannot catch it, right? Well, yeah, look at me. I've well, you've been training. You've been training. With you, and I run behind you, and you keep the pace. I don't have to worry about these things. <laughs> right, so uh, if you are the pacer, yes. you do have to worry about these things. You're the pacer. That may be the pacey. Yes, yeah, you're the pacey. Okay, so yeah. But we're going to both be finishers, and that's what counts. Oh, God. <laughs> you are one. Cheesy, inspirational person. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Welcome, everybody. And welcome back, TJ. Thanks for bringing the sunshine back from Florida. Yeah, that was really authentic there. That was <laughs> great. And, of course, Dr. Sutton here joining us. Why as you he has so sweet? All <laughs> I can barely talk to him. Another tip is to train with friends. Uh, you set the agenda. You say, here's oh, when we're meeting. Me when she said friends. I did. So uh, similar to people bring wine to homewarming events. So I, I oh, yeah, you told. Yeah. Yeah. That's, wow. yeah. That's why I probably haven't gotten an invite. But <laughs> at her parties, it's good to have a doctor around. <laughs>
The ratings for the Good Morning America third hour, which is the hour that they were on together, those ratings went through the fucking roof after this affair came to light. People were very excited to see the two of them still on TV together and kind of maybe hinting at the scandal that they were currently embroiled in. Good afternoon. Welcome to Jim May 3. What you need to know on this Friday. You know, it's too bad it's Friday. Is it? It's been a great week. Just want this one to keep going and going and going. Um, Just enjoy it. Speak for yourself. Take it all in. I am very excited about the weekend, uh, and I'm sure everyone else is too. Uh, we all love our Fridays around here. Now, GMA has since taken them off air, which has prompted their ratings to just fucking plummet again, because that was the reason that a lot of people were watching GMA for, like, a few days. But Amy and TJ seem to still be a couple, and it looks like they are separating from their former partners, which, again, as I've said earlier, I think is kind of the more classy, respectful thing to do. You know, like, if you liked someone so much that you thought it would be worth sneaking around and having an affair with them, you should like them enough to keep seeing them after that affair comes to light. Otherwise, you shouldn't have been seeing them in the first place, so... Alright, so another update. So since I originally filmed this video, TJ has officially filed for divorce from his wife. Him and Amy are definitely still together, and there have been many pictures of them all about town together living their best lives. So I do feel more inclined to kind of root for these two compared to the other cheating scandals thus far. And there were some people asking why everyone was like so upset about the Try Guys cheating scandal, but were then shipping the Good Morning America hosts who were also cheating on their former partners. And for one thing, like Ned built his entire persona around his love for his wife. So he kind of destroyed his own gimmick and outed himself as a phony with his own affair scandal. But more importantly, Ned was dating an employee of his company. He was her superior in a relationship that they had to keep secret, thereby disempowering her further. TJ and Amy, on the other hand, were at the same level. They're both co-hosts on Good Morning America. There isn't the same kind of, like, power disparity between the two of them. So with Ned and Alex and TJ and Amy, one of those scandals involves a significant power disparity. One does not. It's just that fucking simple. That's why people didn't care as much about the Good Morning America scandal. And again, it's hard not to root for them when they have such good chemistry. There is kind of a way to romanticize this and be like, oh, well, maybe they were just meant to be, you know? I mean, yeah, they got together in a way that wasn't super clean and was pretty disrespectful to their former partners, but ultimately they're ending up together, so maybe it was true love. Now, that being said, the fact that the two of them were friends with each other's spouses does put a pretty bad taste in my mouth, so I can't totally forgive them. That was pretty fucked up. I feel like if you're gonna cheat on your spouse because you, like, really feel something for this other person, at least make sure that, like, your spouse and that other person don't have any contact because then you're just, you're adding on to the betrayal and don't like that. And Amy is definitely not the kind of girl that I would want to be friends with because she has a pattern of this shit. She knew about Natasha and TJ and she didn't tell Marley. And she then started an affair with TJ while still being friends with Marley. So, fuck you, Amy. 
And fuck you, TJ. I'm putting this one in suffer. But that's it. That's my tier list. It was heavily biased by my own personal emotional reactions to things, and that is the way that it should be. Because this is my list. I was never pretending to be objective about this because I don't know any of these people. I know of them, and I know enough about them that I feel very comfortable judging them from afar. Bye.